Hey folks, welcome to The Mind of a Skeptical Leftist. This is the podcast where I talk to a variety of people to help spread critical thinking, progressive politics, and left-wing philosophy. I want to introduce myself so that you know who you're listening to or watching. Uh, My name is Corey Johnston. I'm a laborer in rural Saskatchewan in Canada. I grew up between a family farm and a small community of about 10,000 people, and I eventually moved to a small city of about 230,000 people. Most of the people here are conservative and right-wing with many that would be considered far-right. I'm different from that. I'm an anarcho-communist, an atheist, and a skeptic. This means that I try to follow ideas that are better for everyone, uh, but I also try to base those ideas on the best evidence available. As an anarchist, I believe that all people are equal and deserve to be treated as such. Uh, No one is above another, and systems that put people above each other in value are not systems that I can endorse. When you hear anarchists talk about hierarchy, this is what they mean. As a communist, I believe that everyone is entitled to a good life and all things belong to all. There is nuance to this, but above all, it entitles everyone to a safe and good life free from coercion. As an atheist, I am agnostic. It's not just that I don't believe in any god or gods, but I also believe that The claims people make about the god or gods they believe in are inconsistent and often incoherent. My anarchist tendencies mean I try not to judge others for believing things that aren't true or evidence-based, but with my mix of tendencies, I do also try to help people reach the best ideas and come to the best conclusions for everyone, rather than just supporting the status quo or being purely self-interested. I've been podcasting for almost 10 years now. I started with the atheist and skeptic communities in 2013, though I eventually moved on to more progressive communities and spaces as the toxicity and reactionary tendencies in skeptic spaces became more apparent. I do believe that a good skeptic will land on libertarian or anarchist ideals, but nobody who follows the evidence can say that capitalism is good for the world or humanity. I've only been working with video for a couple of years, and I hope that my channel can grow and build a community like some of those I've seen around other channels. However, I don't live online. I have children, a partner, a job that is demanding, and an aging parent who sometimes needs my help. This means my schedule for production is inconsistent. I hope that you will bear with me and that you enjoy my work. I have many ways that you can support this channel, and I always have other projects on the go. So look in the show notes or description box to check those out as well. My Patreon is patreon.com slash skeptical leftist, and I deeply appreciate any support you can send my way. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to contact me through any social media platform or by email at mindofaskepticalleftist at gmail.com. All right. Hi and welcome to The Mind of a Skeptical Leftist, the podcast where I talk to a variety of people to spread critical thinking, progressive politics, and left-wing philosophy. And today I'm joined by Dan Platt from Three Lefts. Thanks for joining me. Great to be here. So I guess a good place to start is just a little bit about yourself and your show. Uh, Sure. Uh, So I'm Dan Platt of Albany, New York. I'm plenty comfortable sharing that. Um, I have been, I'm a veteran of the new atheist movement in, in Occupy in college. And from there I transitioned to green party politics and general community projects for building dual power under various multi-tendency lenses. Um, since, you know, picking one type of leftism to do is, usually a recipe for getting dogmatic and not being skeptical. You got to be skeptical (laughs) of being shoehorned or pigeonholed. So, (laughs) um, and so, so the community projects are various, you know, they involve just community gardening stuff or, um, 
being involved with like, you know, just spending time with my local neighborhood association, banging my head against the table surrounded by liberals or people to my right. Um, <laughs> right. um, but also being part of a different scenes, whether it be the food bomb scene, uh, and being the mm-hmm. underliner for the serving for a few years, um, whether it be, the under one of the underliner now of the community radio station that I am a producer for. So I do a podcast, but it is also primarily a radio program that is broadcast on a local FM station uh, with up to 30 other people. Um, wow. And so we will develop news capabilities eventually. Uh, but we well, there's another local FM station in our area that does a news magazine that takes like 10 volunteers because they're all producing little 10, five, 10 minute segments, right? So it's a full, mm-hmm. like really full fleshed out program. We would need a similar number of people to have a particularly like news program like that. But I'm going to settle for, um, I've been making about, uh, I'm up to almost 150 episodes of my program where I simply discuss topics of my own interest, leftist strategy, and just trying to actually, I wrote this down because I'm actually transitioning now. I'm doing my last episode of the, it's a two hour program. I fill two hours on air. I do a live, um, but then edit it for online consumption later. But um, just how to figure out how to apply the various tendencies of leftist thought and and practice and putting that. So I also cover actual, you know, on the ground news too, uh, at least on national and international level. Right. Um, but now I want to transition to local news and issues because that is why I got into, you know, I was thinking about a podcast because, you know, like all of us listen to podcasts uh, since yep. since being in college back in 09 uh, is how they helped me radicalize along with a lot of other things and current and mostly current events at the time. But also getting sick and un- being unfulfilled by all the various established media, whether it be NPR programming, Daily Show, or all the other things, and progressives, and just noticing how ineffective their strategy was, uh, at least in the long term. And how, like, even though they tout that they're the most effective by working within the Mm -hmm. Dems, I saw that, like, "Mm, actually, no, you're kind of up your own ass. And... So I, I sought out alternatives, and just as I was skeptical at the time, as a new atheist, you know, you, you got to follow the evidence wherever it leads. And to me, it led right. to radical politics and socialist slash anarchist thinking, as well as, of course, ecological thinking, which right. is much more acceptable to progressives and liberals. But when it comes to like, where what does it really mean to be ecological? Is basically to be anti-capitalist or uh, more friendly language, be post-capitalist. And, and that's kind of where the Green Party is right now in our rhetoric, uh, which has shifted over the last few terms, which is why I also okay. joined the Greens, because I found out there are socialists there, um, which okay. there weren't in any other type of organization that I was uh, right. that was around. Now, yeah, there's an SP and there's the IWW, but these weren't parties. Or these weren't political institutions that had been around. Right. I mean, the IDW has been around, but they they were explicitly union organizers. I wanted something yeah. that was more broader, like Occupy, that could have working groups that covered every little facet and not be in our own silo. Because that was one of the things that came up with Occupy, was that everyone's in their own little silo. This is a movement that bring that brought a lot of people together. 
Yeah, for sure. I, I, uh, I also came out of the new, the new atheist slash skeptical movement. That's kind of hence the skeptical leftist, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but, uh, but that was kind of where a weird spot when Occupy happened because there wasn't full blown support by the atheist community at the time for Occupy. There was a lot of back and forth. We have, we had a lot of right libertarian types within that group, that area. So did you, um, were you involved at all or were you just a spectator like myself when it came to the internal factionalism of the new atheists when there was the proposal for the atheism plus? At that, at that time, I was just a spectator yeah. for Atheism Plus. Later on, I was more active within the like pro-social justice type side of yes. things. That's what it was, by the way, for the audience, um, if, unless you've covered this before. Um, I don't I think was, so. I was less spectator because I was the, an officer in my local college chapter, New Atheist kind of group, um, under Center for Inquiry. And oh, I went yeah. to a, you know, student leadership training, which is like, you know, think Turning Point USA, but for new atheists. And, <laughs> right. um, and after that, and there was Elevator Gate, which is a very polarizing event. And the proposal of from that was, let's do more than just bash religion. There's obviously more work because we have our own misogyny and oppressions and systems of oppression at work. Just because we got rid of religion obviously doesn't mean we're free of all these other um, – this imperialism even. Well, though imperialism was not part of the conversation. But misogyny and, and sexism and whatnot. And, yeah. and, th- and finding out just how – what a minority we were um, in, the va- in the movement overall. It was like it was clear this yeah. is not for us anymore. This is like – and we were basically expunged for more or less. At least I felt I was. Or there was well, rather no, it's, it was my own volition. There's just nothing here now because right. meanwhile there was the Arab Spring, there was the yep. events in Wisconsin with the unions there, uh, and the recall election, which was like was which was also included in occupation of a capital for almost a month, yeah. and and so there was there was history was moving, and it was obviously the new atheist movement was not part of that movement. It was not going to right. move with history. It was going to stay put because the forces of reaction and conservatism uh, was, was like, we, we can't, we, let's not change what we're doing. Even though even the liberals amongst the movement were like, we just need better science education. Once we have better science education, uh, the Republican machine of, of disenfranchising people will apparently uh, be undermined. <laughs> Or, or that, or rather, it's just the the analysis was that's all the problem was. Meanwhile, you know, people are being disenfranchised, abortion rights being eroded, and all these liberals and these libs and progressives can say is we need better science education once people are rational enough. But then they're, <laughs> but, but then they're all cynical about people just can't change, or or John Stewart, you know, even now repeats the uh, um, Tina. There is no alternative right? talking points. Human nature, people need to be retrained, but they don't want to because they're just feelings over facts. Uh, right, right. And uh, yeah. so it's like, well, <laughs> and I'm trying to figure out what to do because they're, they're, they didn't want to figure out what, what to do because they were so yeah. positive about what to do. So I'm like, I'm investigating, I'm reading theory. And of course, it's like, okay, material stuff matters more than like what affects people's feelings and emotions where they're at in life 
weather material circumstances. Um, yeah. And that leads to socialism, basically, as a, as a, polit- <laughs> as a political <laughs> yeah. project. As instead yeah. of the liberal political project of we just need to get keep the right people in charge, um, yeah, and the bad uh, people. Yeah, it it was always like uh, there's actually nothing wrong except for religion. Yes, was the was the, <laughs> like racism doesn't exist. There's no such thing as structural yeah. racism, systemic racism. It's always religion. It's uh, <laughs> there's no misogyny, patriarchy. It's just religion. And <laughs> I. And it was, of course, funny to me that they, like, obviously, well, to me, it was obvious there was way more that was wrong with the world. Um, yeah. Just watching the news, watching how the Obama administration floundered on making any positive impact. Um, right. Meanwhile, you know, the, the, the liberal Democratic refrain of, like, it's just the Republicans, they need to go, or they're they're stopping us from doing the good stuff. And I'm like, but I'm, I'm just listening to the NPR here. And I'm and just from that coverage, their coverage of things, I'm figuring out no, because when there was like when it came to the finance reform, you have um, the Democratic uh, was Barney Frank was like spinning the wheels, and so to speak. Let's see, they weren't they the opposite of skeptical, very dogmatic, right? And yeah. oh yeah, oh yeah, and I want to mention that like the. And I learned more in just how the pay, you know, when the rubber hits the road, that when it came to there was an actual movement for change that had to do with inequality and political corruption, which seemed to be obvious to me because as as I'm just again, this is I'm just following progressive media at this point for the most part because right. there wasn't any hard leftist media that things are corrupt. Money matters in politics. It's the election. What makes the religious so powerful is the money they have. Yes, that they are tied exactly. with big corporate money as well. It wasn't just religion. This is clear to me. Why was yeah. I? I wasn't the only one, obviously, but I was like, so few of us had this analysis in these um, new atheist conferences or these debates where we're just, you know, circle jerking about how Dawkins owned Ken Hovind or something <laughs> like that. Right. And, and, yeah. and, and there was these instances where, like, you had the big debate. The debate that's supposed to solve the problem, right? Once Bill Nye, right? Bill Nye versus Ken Ham. <laughs> that Ken Ham. That you, you, you read my mind. We're on the same wavelength. This was supposed to fix. This was supposed to have an effect, right? Yeah. Or, uh, on on the followers of cre- creationism, it had no effect whatsoever. And yeah. and and in that fallout, it's like, well, this is this is basically a, not ha- not helping really. It's just making us yeah. feel better. Um, when we feel like we're our side's winning, but really, meanwhile, if you care about progressive politics, the Republicans are always winning, or capitalism is winning, really. Yeah, um, and that's what I figured out. Party is not so far apart; they are on the same team. They had all the opportunities to do what they say they're going to do throughout the Obama years, and they didn't. So it's like, well, they're just liars. Then I'm not going to take yeah. anything they say seriously when it comes to you got to vote for us or else or this or that. Um, but rubber hit the road where I, you know, I'm joining Occupy. Uh, particularly, I joined. I went on day one because for some fuck great crazy reason, Adbusters was in my college bookshop. So like I was getting supplies or something, and Adbusters was like in the line to the cashier. And and this is this is one of those radicalizing moments, right? We all have them, right? And it was the issue where like the title of it is "Capitalism is the Crisis." I had right. never seen that rhetoric before <laughs> in my life. 
and and it just had <laughs> Holy this shit. and it had this weird you know uh, painting of like a woman, like a girl like eating a, a saucer of ice cream looking wistfully you know and I'm like holy shit that makes a lot of fucking sense and so yeah. I, I pick up Bad Busters and I'm picking it up every quarter as it were and for and for that year and they came up with the idea of Occupy Wall Street one of their I, they throw out a lot of ideas that was one of their winners um, so right. I went day one and. And then I came back a few days later, and then I kept coming, basically, uh, I spent every Friday there, because that was my open day, no classes then, and uh, and tried to go, like, twice a week, I guess, and nice. uh, and I worked the info table, because when I was a new atheist, I was tabling in my college, uh, and that's what I liked doing. Um, hmm. So I, I tabled for Occupy instead, and, and, and I encouraged my fellow... New Atheist Center for Inquiry, which is a nonprofit educational foundation, to endorse Occupy or to show up. And from my colleagues who had, you know, they were coordinators or whatever their position was, we can't get involved. It's political. We would risk our nonprofit status or pretty much that. That was the answer I got. It wasn't even an ideological difference or disagreement, but... And but it was under, it was there, it was unspoken. Yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, in the time since then, like, uh, Sam Harris has endorsed race realism, uh, new atheists, like, hasn't he retracted James that Lindsay. lately, though? Oh, did he? Wasn't that uh, a few years <laughs> It was a few years ago that he would talk to the race realists, but maybe since, um, George Floyd and whatever, the second round of BLM that he has changed his mind a bit he's certainly not having the dark enlightenment folks on his show anymore well that's mostly because they're anti-vax now so he can't right yeah yeah there had to be something he disagreed with so it wasn't the race realism but maybe i suppose the anti-vax has maybe made him think twice about like these people are crazy and they're not following the evidence in any capacity (laughs) and it probably cast some shade on but but I i haven't listened to his show I um I have a book signed by him, you know, in my new atheist days with the moral landscape, right? And yeah, I kind I of, had, you know, I still have two copies of At the End of Faith, like sitting on the bookshelf. So I was I was a fan at one time, but yeah, but you know, it's it's good to outgrow your heroes uh, and find uh, new ones um, or whatever. <laughs> Kill yeah. your heroes as they were. Yeah, that's right. Um, but uh, yeah, so that was my that was you know the beginning of my journey. Then Occupy, then Green Party. I mentioned I ran for mayor in my city as a Green Party candidate. It was a quinsotic campaign. Okay. It was an outreach campaign. Of course, I'm not going to win, but I wanted to grow the party, and that meant canvassing. And mm-hmm. I did not was not successful in growing the party, but I did talk to a lot of people, so I learned. I made some lessons, though. That's that's, that's usually cool. what leftists who fail say. Like oh, I learned some lessons. Um, the major issue was that there was this guy who ran, who primaried me. Like we had a Green Party primary. His thinking was that it would get us more attention to have a primary. I told him he was oh. he was being an idiot. Um, people will pay attention <laughs> if we have a if we have a unified campaign where I have multiple people helping me. Um, I'm the senior here. Um, he was he was fresh out of college and kind of more identified as an ML kind of leftist but okay but not really um he wasn't really good at arguing it he, he just had an ex- economics degree so he kind of felt smart 
But uh, when it came to debating <laughs> and being and being on the forum stage, he, he looked like an asshole. But uh, the thing is, he didn't expect to beat me in the primary. And uh, he was so he just thought having the primary would be, you know, get us attention. Of course, it didn't. A good no one covered our primary. People covered me as a candidate because I knew what I was doing and put out a, you know, made a pre- had a press release. He right. didn't. He didn't know what he was doing at all. But he beat me by three votes because we only have a 30 person primary pretty much. Um, and, and he spent the summer talking to the Greens. He must have. I don't know how many times he knocked on Green Party doors. Uh, There's basically 200 in Albany. But I was canvassing whole neighborhoods. I canvassed 100 different blocks. And, yeah, I hit Greens up when I was petitioning. I needed 30 signatures. But I I didn't really follow up because, to me, me it was about finding new Greens, particularly finding Greens that were actually leftists or pseudo-leftists or baby leftists uh, or baby leftists who were then potential members. Because most registered Greens are, in fact, some left liberal type of old anti-war person. Yeah, they're anti-war, but they're not really anti-imperialist or anti-capitalist. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's mostly registered Greens. So members are a different story. But registered Greens are people who are all over the place. Uh, sometimes, right. and, and yeah. a portion of them are anti-vax because uh, they're just so anti-nonconformist or whatever. Or, or they're... Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're not anti big farm. They're not big government. Like they're that. not big government. Yeah. You know, they're 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 left libertarian to a, to a certain degree. But again, they're older. So they still have reactionary views. But anyway, what I learned was that um, local media, even with I got the best coverage I probably could have gotten. And it didn't matter. Um, one in 30 people when I canvassed knew I was running or read my knew of my campaign through the paper, um, which is a local Hearst paper. We still have a local paper. But it's Hearst owned, and everyone doesn't really like them because um, uh. they're only ha- they're always just covering half the story. You know, they leave out m- many details and, and whatever, and tow yeah, it, that can be frustrating. And tow a certain line, <laughs> but they are the most you know, place to actually be informed somewhat. You know, you, you need to add your own analysis, and that's something I hope to do with my show going forward. Is what I found was, and and from lessons from previous movement leaders like Black Panthers at uh, conferences I've gone to over the years who mentioned that their organizing depended on them having their own newspaper, their own lines of communication. You know, um, the, the metaphor of the RPG party, you need a tank to go out and fight. You need the cleric to do the healing and to make do food prep. You need the bard to sing the praises of the cause Um, and, and reinforce the work that the activists are doing, because if 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 the thousands do not know that the work is being done by even just a few, it makes their work seem well. It is less impactful. Um, right. If people don't yeah, know about sense. it. They they fell. They fall. They could beat a corporate you know corporate thing. They could block weak block pipelines, and people don't know of our right. victories. Yeah. Um, unless you're reading um, It's Going Down or a similar project. Um, right. So. Yeah, because you, tr- you can't rely on like mainstream media to cover stuff like that. They'll just ignore yeah. it. Like Or even um, Twitch politics slash BreadTube. 
um, which aren't <laughs> news gathering enterprises. They're entertainment enterprises. Yeah. And yeah. uh, which is why it's like it's not going to form into a network. It should if it if, if, if any left Uber was serious, it should be we should be forming a network um, like the Young Turks. But that was still kind of a central core of people doing their project and then recruiting people and uh, or the real news network, which is almost like a TV yeah, station is, out of yeah. out of they have a, a Baltimore. So they have a place and. But they, but they were able to network with, with, so they had their own stable of talking heads that they were able to cover international stories better than the cable networks, or at least just yeah. as well, but with analysis that was actually insightful and so on. <laughs> right, yeah. So I like to develop that for the, my local scene. Um, and I use the word scene yeah, because cool. it's like play acting. I want it, it needs to be more than a scene, you know, it needs to be more right. than play. Um, obviously, but have fun. Right. Uh, I was reading something actually, I think it was just earlier today talking about how a lot of, uh, like organizations that are activist oriented, they, uh, fail if they miss out on the social and human interaction part of things. So you got to have the, uh, the fun too. Like you got to have people getting along and mm-hmm. having relationships and such, uh, so that we care about enough each you other. You burn out. You know, yeah, it's how people yeah. burn out. And even when, but it's almost like some of the burnouts caused by saying, oh, but, and on top of all the other important work you're doing, you also have to organize a party, <laughs> which, which <laughs> yeah, is for some, for introvert yeah. nerds like myself is actually asking quite a lot. Uh, I've tried right, doing yeah. so and I'm, I'm always terrible with it. Um, I always wanted someone else to handle that. You know, we all have a role and things we're good at, but we have to work as a team at the same time. But there's also yeah, the phrase, sure. uh, you know, if you want something done right, or rather assume you're going to do things yourself. And then if others help you, then that's a blessing slash, you know, that's the victory. Um, but yeah. sometimes I've done things, assumed I'm doing them by myself. And because of that, I'm not asking enough people to help me or what mm-hmm. have you. And so one of those lessons of, um, organizing versus activism, which is one of those distinctions that's important is the ask, the ask, 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 the ask for help. You know, I'm, I'm, I've, I'm, I have some volunteers I'm working with and they are afraid to ask people or they're discouraged mm-hmm. or they have asked people, they don't get a positive response and they don't ask again. You know, they're like, uh, oh, it's not <laughs> worth it. Or it's like, what's the point? You know, they go cynical, it's too much work. They go, uh, cy- uh, they go <laughs> cynical, you know, and, and I have that, you know, when it comes to phone banking and canvassing, you know, you, you have to what is discouraging is the proportionality. And this goes for social media, too, that, you know, you need to reach 100 people to have 10 good interactions. And then out of those 10, yeah. you'll have one joiner or right. supporter, someone who actually shows up. Um, this yeah. goes for when you just have want to mobilize people. You know, you can have um, uh, an event like uh I'll give you a fun example. Um, Rush Area 51. You know, you had millions of people saying like they were going to do that (laughs) as a joke. And then maybe a thousand people. It was that. Well, a thousand people came to Arizona or Nevada, rather. Um, But then maybe a hundred actually went to Area 51. Um, Right. Yeah. But that wasn't an organization. You know, that was just a we'll have a party here show up. 
an organ that's activism or mobilization. Organizing is having committees in place to bus people to a place to to have a material goods on hand to have health care if things go wrong. You know, if someone right. was shot, it would be the military that would have to pay, take them to the hospital um, <laughs> or something like that. But uh, but, you know, black blockers. No, you have your medics on hand. You have your people who. Uh, have the equipment, who bring the equipment, you have your, your ride, and, and so on. Uh, I've done one. but um, That's probably, like, like why it was so exceptional, the uh, ro- the protests after George Floyd, because, like, it's a lot to get that many people to motivate, you know, motivated to do a thing. Like, that, it's just, it's a lot. In that case, and it was anger, plus, you know, but it wasn't organized, right, yeah. which is why... Yeah. Uh, it dissipates. These movements, these yeah. these these energies, they dissipate because they weren't getting organized. There was no order. There was a various reasons, not a desire to organize. Um, right. My role in the last few years and continuing forward will be to convince people of the necessity to organize, to be in an organization. It's why I'm a green because I feel even with our, you know, it seems like we're failing all the time. Though 1,200 Greens have been elected over the, our history to local offices, um, I still feel way more empowered because right. as things shift and change, at least I'm in a thing that has been around for 40 years, 30 years or more now, uh, about yeah. 30 years. And meanwhile, you have these other orgs that start and then they're gone in four years like they're they're literally like there are many things that only existed for as long as trump was president and you kind of saw it and i'll point out to everyone on the left the the online left or the marginal left that you know there's a consensus that we just have to get trump out of office and the you know vote for biden any you know get trump out this campaign succeeded yeah. But what else? And what next? Like, <laughs> yeah. There was no organization, no organizing to do something later. And yeah. because of that, everyone had nothing to do unless they were in an org or the intention to join or start an org, to start tenant organizing or what have you. But the energy, the thousands of people that came out um, during the pandemic, almost because people didn't have to go go to work, um, now they, they were free to come show up to a, a, a march. But marching is not enough. Marching is a morale booster. It is not right. action. It is not political action, um, yeah. and it, actually, um, which is why uh, there's actually no p- policy effect whatsoever. Right. Um, yeah. Even in all, my city of Albany, as a result of the reaction to the protests in 2020, the riot, which was only one evening. For the first time, tear gas was actually used in Albany by our police. And um, our common council could not, um, there was an intention to ban it because one of our common council people got gassed and almost died. Wow. And it was used particularly uh, in residential neighborhoods twice where it's going to people's homes who aren't part of the march, who aren't even demonstrating. And the city council did not ban it because uh, half of them like cops and, and the cops were yeah. saying, well, we still need to be able to have this tool because 
what happens if there's another riot? We'll be powerless if uh, if we don't tear gas. Um, and yeah, so that was um, another another failure, I suppose. Um, and and after that, the DSA simply disappeared. I don't know what they're doing now. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, uh, and, they, and they avoid my gaze. Well, um, a friend of mine uh, avoids, avoids my gaze, actually. Um, oh, is that right? He was one of the DSA uh, leaders. Um, oh, geez. It, it hurts my feelings, obviously, because it's like, you know, we were, we're comrades when it comes to food, not bombs. But then when now he's a DSA chapter leader, it suddenly he can't talk to me like a comrade because we have different strategies for elections. Even right. though they've made it clear that as a local org, they want to do tenant organizing and not elections. So it's like, what does it matter? But when it came to endorsing Howie Hawkins for president in 2020, only a handful of leftist orgs or, group or associations would endorse him and what have you. And okay. that was very demoralizing. Hmm. Yeah, that's – I've known – like I know a few people in the U.S. and in Canada – who have uh, they've joined more radical groups because the DSA or the DSC uh, kind of lost momentum, I guess, mm. uh, in a lot of ways. Like with after, the end of Sanders' campaign, I would assume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. They were so yeah. deflated yeah. after that. They were so deflated. Yeah. Like, what were they going to do? They had nothing else to do now. Um, <laughs> that's what's. Uh, that was uh, like this. They're walking to a wall, and I, I, we were us Greens were telling them that. Just like 2016, you're just walking to that wall again. Um, anyway. Yeah. By <laughs> sticking with the Democratic Party. It's... Yeah. But um, I don't want to, you know, electoralism is part of the grander strategy of dual power building. Uh, the Green right. Party work, or whether it's Socialist Party or Socialist Alternative, uh, these organizations are part of a coalition of other kind of dual power kind of building stuff. And because once you build that economic base of co-ops or whatever, you're going to need to take local power. And a party is the tool for doing that. And it's also what pushed, mm -hmm. even in American history, it's what pushed the Dems or the parties, the duopoly, to act on anything. Any reform passed in American history, it happened in conjunction with some independent movement that was starting to win offices, um, yeah. whether it was the populist party at one point, socialists in the New Deal era, or the, rather the Depression. And uh, people don't think of it this way, but the Republican Party itself was a third party that split from the Whigs on a particular mm. issue and <laughs> in a three-way race won the presidency because when it comes to a three-way race, you don't need 50%. Yeah. You don't need a full yeah. majority <laughs> to win when it's a three-way race. You only need 33%. And when some green congressional races we've had and other types of races, we've gotten up to 25%. You know, we're, we're getting close sometimes um, in particular races with particular candidates. Right. Um, but I want to point out, like, ranked choice ballots aren't enough. You know, you need a whole gamut of reforms if um, independent politics is to have any foothold. And and if it means, like, and if people have the mindset of, okay, we have to do everything but electoralism, I'm cool with that, you know, as I do community projects as well. Um, 
just know, like, but what's the long-term strategy? Because anything you do, Radical Community Project, can be co-opted by the system if you don't have uh, the means of resisting it. You know, yeah. your the local Dems in your city will co-opt you. It is the is Marx is just straight Marxism that that's what will happen. Political yeah. economy will 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 have the, that will pressure you into giving up that autonomy earned or that housing co-op you built um, because you didn't actually you weren't actually doing system change when when building the, these alternatives. It needs right. to be more general. It needs to be big. You need to think bigger than that. Um, yeah. Now, conversely. Cooperative Jackson in Jackson, Mississippi, is doing that and like building alternative economy, and they won local offices as well, even the mayorship. But then they were okay. slammed down by the state and county levels, and their political program was was stymied and sabotaged. So their kind of lesson was kind of well, one lesson from the anarchist perspective is don't bother with any electoralism. <laughs> But it's like, but, but how do you do revolution if you don't take power? And yeah, because power isn't just like your local neighborhood. It's the military. It's bureaucracies, you know, to have a modern state. You know, if you're, you're going to devolve the big state into smaller states or micro states, got to have a plan for doing that. You got to, I mean, just, yeah. you know, and um, you got to think. It's a, it's a really hard problem. Like, <laughs> like a problem because I, yeah. a problem because I've every time to figure out yeah yeah like every time you get somebody into power or in a position where they're getting close to it like it seems like the state will or like or the big parties like here it's the liberals and the conservatives mm-hmm. they will you know do whatever they can to eliminate the third parties or the fourth parties from gaining ground and then you have like. People within those parties, like, uh, who then are part of the structure that exists that stops them from taking any actual action. And like, but like you say, like anything outside of the electoral stuff, you can't actually develop enough power without the use of the state in some ways. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a very hard problem. Like, I, I don't, I don't pretend to have any answers. <laughs> Certain strands of anarchism want to like want to work around the state, but you can't really ignore that elephant in the room because um, right, you, you can start. You have to deal with it in some way. Just right? look at what happened to Chaz. Look at what happened to Occupy. Yeah, we set up these autonomous zones, and you, we didn't actually have any control. The police and the city had the control. Um, yeah. And if there were more people in city government to say, let's hold off, let's let people have autonomous zones, develop them, codify them even, um, we, you need allies that would help you do that. And SOC Dems aren't really good enough, or SOC Dems who are Democrats are not good enough, because they'll have to side with the power structure, um, just as the I remember, squad uh, does. During Occupy, there was a... Uh, I guess a support encampment in Regina, the city I'm in, uh, Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada. Okay, gotcha. Is where I am. <laughs> and so there was a support encampment. And I don't remember how long it took, but it wasn't very long before the city council said, no, we just got to get them out. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> like, just this send is them illegal. The and get them out. <laughs> yeah, this is illegal. You can't sleep in the park. <laughs> so, so it was like, but we do 
still have regular uh, indigenous groups uh, camping out in uh, our park, our Wascana Park right near our legislative building mm-hmm. uh, for in various protests. Like there was one about suicide uh, prevention. Uh, I think it was last year or the year but before. But they're usually temporary, right? Yeah, 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 they are always they're always temporary, and they always face that crackdown by uh, the police at some. It's point. always over their head. I loved Occupy because it was a protest that was continuous. One of the things I hated about protests and why I didn't really do any protesting before Occupy, uh, or I didn't believe in it, was well, I, I attended the big protest in '04 uh, during the RNC in New York, and it had no effect whatsoever on the war. Uh, yeah. It was, it was, it was. I was told the biggest protest ever in American history didn't matter whatsoever. So it's like, well, yeah. what, 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 what use is this? And any other protests I saw, um, maybe it's kind of the sort of the John Stewart line. It looks ridiculous, um, and it, uh, it's only, it's just, it's even when it, it has like, you know, it's covered by the media. It's just a thirty-minute segment, and then it's gone. It's like it didn't even yeah. happen. Yeah. Uh, a continuous protest, however was something that couldn't be ignored and it was continuous. It could evolve. It could actually exist and be an institution. Um, but it had to be a formal organization. Now there was a formal organization of Occupy in New York, the general assembly, which is an anarchist org. Um, and, uh, but, uh, but they didn't have a means of recruiting people or they didn't seem to have a plan to. And mm. at the end of the day, there, they were facilitation and they didn't, they were like, our job isn't actually to facilitate the meetings which is why the GA would devolve into meetings that did not work and would obviously turn people off of meetings. And the thing about meetings, they're totally necessary. They just have to be run well. People just have bad experiences because most people do not know how to actually run a meeting. It's sort of like people who think they know how to, they're they're computer literate. And then you ask them to do something like uh, share a Google doc and then they're incompetent. Um, or, they, or they need to, they're handheld. And so I spent a good amount of my time post-occupying the months after um, the, the, the crackdown, learning how to be a facilitator because my big problem with Occupy was the meetings. So and the fact that the GAs were too big, they should have been broken up or, you know, you what you do is you make breakout groups, you know, um, and, and there are general rules that were just the wrong rules to have. Um, one could argue it was internal sabotage. You know, you had some provocateur who said, oh, no, we need 80% consensus. Uh, yes, mm. you know, make it a yes or no vote. But the point of consensus is that you don't vote. There is no vote meet. You know, you, you hear everybody out and then you formulate a decision that everyone likes or can consent to. Um, but that's right. not what was done because you can't do it with 100 people. Um, with an assembly, it's not meant to be a general discussion. It's just meant to be the, the formal process or something. You're, you're meant to do, uh, make the decisions in groups of 10, and then you come together in an assembly, and then you all consent to what everybody came up with. Um, as it goes back and forth between a larger group and the groups of 10. Right. But this wasn't done, um, mostly because of the logistics of it. But there was a movement towards that at Occupy Wall Street, to like, if you're going to get fed by the kitchen um, and get and benefit from all the donations coming in, you got to join a working group. You have to be in, you have to be organized. Basically, you have to join the organization in some way. It's very loose. It's not like you, there's any wall to joining, 
only that you need right. to give another hour of your time to a working group and be active. And and this um, was a vast improvement, a bit of improvement, but it was also very late in that it was two weeks later that the NYPD moved in or rather mm-hmm. made their move. Um, right. cause there was a two week span between where they throw the city threatened to evict us and everyone showed up and like standard military tactics, you wait until there's a false sense of security. Like, oh, okay. The police blacked off. We're secure. We can go continue the rest of the winter, you know, go into the winter. And then two weeks later, then they move in like middle of the night when there's the least people there, um, and throw everything out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it was also the coordinated, you know, from the national level crackdown of all encampments. Um, all, Albany's went a little longer because there was a bit more consent from the support from the city council. Um, but that at the end of the day also uh, had to get swept out for health and safety reasons. Of course. <laughs> but all, all the city would have to do is provide porta potties and uh, the problem would be solved. Um which mm-hmm. they'll only do for money-making festivals or parties and right. not for anything that has actual purpose besides making people money. Because um, otherwise, the city has no public bathrooms um, or, or at least um, only a few, a handful. Um, any public bathrooms get like, it, it's a little apocalyptic in that if a public bathroom is open long enough, the, like the pipes would get uh, scalped out of it. Right. Um, or it would be used for shooting up because we don't have safe ejection sites. You know, these are things right. that, like, you can solve if there was more social infrastructure and progressive thinking. But it turns out, actually, even though we're a Democrat, one-party state, um, one-party government, uh, it's actually quite conservative or allows it to be conservative because even yeah. Republicans will be registered Democrat so their vote can count. Uh, or they can have a say in <laughs> yeah in the in city government. Um, let's uh, let's kind of shift gears a little bit. I'm I'm curious more about uh about your show too. Um, you said it's currently it's a two two hour show uh, on community radio. I'll be shifting to one hour soon. Basically, I'm going to do one more two hour show uh, this week. Once I release that, I'll be shifting to one hour. And doing local news and issues. Mostly reading from the local Hearst paper, but also whatever blogs I come across. Facebook posts, because that's where citizen journalism happens pretty much. uh, Where people just report things and it's just it leads to conversations. And also people uh, kvetching about things in the city and what's not being fixed, what has been fixed, um, and what have you. That's Sorry. awesome. Uh, yeah. No worries. You have to keep reminding uh, me. So what is, uh, what is three lefts? Uh, it comes from, so when I was, um, when I had a job, it, um, and I'm still, I'm currently a state worker. Um, I was um, in test distribution. I was, my job was packing all of the state tests that go to all the schools. And so it was a lot of time to listen to podcasts. So one I listened to was this particular national anarchist, really weird tendency. But he had an episode that really tickled me uh, titled The Left of the Left of the Left. Because there was a book by the title Left of the Left. And he, and he just added another left to it. And it made me th- chuckle because it's like, oh, three lefts make a right. Um, and so on. And, but it also stands for the three types of leftism. Socialism. 
anarchism and ecology. So my logo is three flags uh, or the three colors of black, red, and green, which usually people associate with the you know black nationalism or that type of movement, Garveyism even. But uh, but for me, it um, I just use them in different you know different combinations um, to represent the three lefts because like a good sandwich or meal or whatever, you need all three. Um, because if you're just a socialist, then, you know, you're probably going to be too hierarchical um, and not think ecologically and you turn off environmentalists. If you're just environmentalist, you're going to succumb to green capitalism. If you're just an anarchist, you'll be um, disorganized and not be effective outside of a local commune collective context. Um, there is such a thing as an anarchist network nationally, uh, but they don't do shit. Um, the red, the, the, the black rose federation comes to mind. Uh, but they, and I was thinking about, you know, I was shopping around for the next org to join after occupy and I was closing shop with that. Um, but they were, they were too exclusive. They, they were just too dot. They were just way more dogmatic than they had any right to be. Um, yeah. cause if you had any kind of like, you know, positive attitude for government policy or, Green New Deal, because in 2010 to 2012, Green New Deal actually, for, for us Greens, meant something. Right. Um, now we call it the eco-socialist Green New Deal, to clarify. Uh, because when we say Green New Deal, we do mean nationalizing the um, industries that have, um, we, what, what's it called when, um, uh, inelastic demand, that's it. Mm -hmm. The industries of inelastic demand um, nationalizing those and subsidizing art and all the good stuff and, uh, and not just declaring victory when there's money for charging stations uh, or electric <laughs> cars that are made in sweatshops overseas um, right. and whatnot. So, right. So you need all three um, because just having just being one tendency is because you, you can see it across the spectrum that people are one type and they're insufferable <laughs> in what in some way or, or, or they fall on their face when it comes to strategizing because they are missing a very serious piece of the puzzle. You know, anarchists yeah, miss out on Marxist Leninist revolution, you know, revolution building um, socialists, pure socialists or, you know, MLs miss out on, the horizontalism and American culture and, and what on people's uh, apprehensions to being organized in the first place. Yeah. Um, and people who are just ecologists completely leave, have no analysis of, of capitalism empire and, and kind of, they think that, well, I mean, they, they almost know that just doing their little projects isn't enough. But then they, right. they, they've accepted the ruling class narrative that revolution's bad and communism failed and, and leftists and even union movements just are just a dead end. So what else can we do? There is nothing else to do. We just have to start our co-op and, and, and for our middle class, you know, keep our middle class lifestyle going um, in recycle. Yeah. Um, well, let's uh, we're almost at an hour already, but. Let's quickly go through uh, counter propaganda. Mm -hmm. So you've got uh, uh, for under counter propaganda, you have third party politics for local and state, 
and electoral politics and revolutionary successes. Yeah, I was just being really broad there. But what I can do is kind of give people some ammo when it comes to I want to do some counter propaganda about Green Party politics. So I have I, I need I could make a scientific treatise on it, but there's a scale of like one to five when it comes to people's reaction to when I say I'm a green to how mad are they about Ralph Nader in 2000. Um, <laughs> so I'll point out some counterfacts, counter propaganda that in Florida, Bush got more votes from Democrats than than Ralph Nader did. Um, right. That. When it comes to exit polling across the board, regardless of the scale of the election, whether it's national or state or local election, that when it comes to exit polling, people who vote green or other third party, maybe libertarian too, uh, let's won't leave them out, um, will say that they would have stayed home if there wasn't the third party choice. This goes up, this fluctuates, but it's always more than 50%. So yeah. When looking at numbers, when people just say, if these million people who voted for Jill Stein voted for Clinton, she would have beaten Trump. Like, it, because they're looking at state but by state. There's no way that those state. people would have all voted for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, they're just assuming that were robots that were turned on and off because their ground game was just so fucking great, right? At mobilizing yeah. voters. But that's the point. They didn't. <laughs> you need ground game. But I won't go into that. Uh, but I will point out is that for the last few months, I've been doing live streams with a, a streamer uh, called BreadTube, not BreadTube, Bread Theory. And okay, so yeah. every other Sunday, I've been going doing a stream where I cover pamphlets from the 50s on how to organize. So I've been going through all these step-by-step processes of what it nice. really means to politically organize. So I won't get into any of that. But let's see. What are the talking points? Uh, when it came to Florida, I mean, first remind people that the Supreme Court stopped the count. And if the court count continued, then Gore would have won. Yeah. So it wasn't even a matter of the votes were taken from Gore and that's what cost him the election. No, the, remember, right. the election was stolen. But when but when it comes down to the fives who are really upset about the Green Party or other progressives even that say we're spoilers, they are protecting the establishment and the institutions that they somehow still have faith in, whether it be the Supreme Court or rather not that they have faith in it, but they just know that they can't do anything about them, that they have accepted their immutability, that capitalism isn't going away. The Supreme Court is not going away. The American government isn't going away. Right. This is defeatism Um, because the ties history, actual study of history will show that things are never actually permanent. Not even for 30, 40 years. American yeah. institutions have been durable and flexible, but they are flexing in response to independent populist and leftist movements. Yeah. Um, sometimes right wing movements as well. Like that's how prohibition happened, you know. But right. uh, but that's something to learn that like, you know, when an independent, independent being the operable term, third party started winning and got, you know, 20%, 15% presidential vote, that's when big reforms were happening. It wasn't a, there, there's always a, uh, what was it called? A um, order of operations kind of fallacy of what caused what causation fallacy, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. you really got to study history hard to know, cause it is a puzzle and it is always on, you kind of always are going to be unsure of what really caused what, but the point is it's complicated. But an independent third party was in the mix. 
And if you take it out, to me, you're left with the kinds of politics that we've been having since the 60s, where there was not an independent third party in the 60s. There was nowhere to go once McGovern lost in that primary in 72. Um, or he was the presidential candidate and lost to Nixon in 68. That's what it was. Um, but then when he tried again in 72, um, the progressive leftist you know, movements, that failed. And they just didn't know what to do next. So then all the hippies basically became yuppies. Not yupp- yeah, yeah, yuppies. Yeah, uh, Soon after. <laughs> um so let's see what else. So yeah, no, there's no such thing as a spoiler effect. That's my kind of propaganda that any um, arguments that third party votes or spoiler votes that they ruin or that we're like, we help the Republicans even is, is all based on faulty statistics, outright lies and, yeah. and, uh, and miss or willful or unwillful misinterpretation of events and and so on. And sometimes it's outright. Slender. We have uh, we have something similar here in Canada where uh, like we have the NDP, which is the new Democratic Party. Uh, they're like our biggest third party. Mm-hmm. And uh, even though they actually have a lot of they get seats and they get, you know, they represent certain areas. There's still like this idea in the popular political sphere that a vote for the NDP is a vote for the team that I'm the opposite of. <laughs> so if I'm a conservative, yes. I'm saying, if you vote for the NDP, you're voting for the liberals. And if I'm a liberal, then I'm saying, yeah. if you vote for the NDP, you're voting then for you're the voting for the conservatives. Yeah. <laughs> what do they say when people vote green? <laughs> well, yeah, that's right. They say the same the thing, likely, right? <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's uh, – but to your to own Canadian history, your national health care system – or single payer system was a result of the initial success of the NDP. Yeah, I've read. that's right. Um, and uh, now <laughs> in the Green Party, b- both in Canada and in the U.S., uh, though because the Greens, since you have somewhat more of a parliamentary system, the Greens have actually gotten some seats. You know, with Theresa May, um, but you have had a consistent party that uh, Greens who are just. Um, Dems light or environmental liberals where, you know, the slogan of not left, not right, but forward. Uh, This is most (laughs) this is most green parties in the world. But and that's something that I like to point out, like there are green parties over the world. We're the world movement. We're the the actual only global movement you can actually look to because there's no other organization that actually has chat. Well, unless you're talking about doctors without borders, but I mean, political one. Right. Um, there's no other, there's no fifth international. Okay. Um, we'd like <laughs> yeah. to have one, I guess, but there's no socialist or communist party in, in various countries that could, uh, make a coalition. Not even to, yeah. Like that, not even not, that could, they're not, they exist, I guess, but yeah, they're not remotely <laughs> similar. At least most green parties are somewhat similar. Um, the yeah. U S one though, we've evolved a bit, um, mostly because of our, particular situation of being completely marginal in our non-parliamentary system as the U.S. is actually the most draconian. And here's my another um, line of counter-propaganda. Republicans are like in charge of voter disenfranchisement. You know, that's what people focus on. It's the right to. But Democrats do party disenfranchisement. And that's the other side that's just as vitally important because even if every all every voter was fully enfranchised, 
If there's only the two choices, Coke and Pepsi, you have no choice. Um, yeah, that's right. And Democrats in every state that they have control over, yeah, maybe they pass a bit more of voter enfranchisement. Early voting reform was the latest success. But then at the same time, they raise this, the voting, the thresholds to be a third party, to have ballot access and what have you. Um, <laughs> here in New York, and in, we're not the only state now that has the highest vote, you know, uh, petition threshold in the world um and there was it was tripled by como uh during the pandemic because he put it in a bill that couldn't it was the budget and no one could vote against it and it tripled the threshold that we needed to retain our ballot access which we did get enough votes for by the way in 2020 but if it if the rules weren't changed um, we couldn't meet the triple threshold. Now, also for petitioning to get access again, we need triple the amount of signatures, which is 45,000. Um, but uh, you need 50% more than that because a number of your signatures will be thrown out. Um, and that's and who, who does the throwing out? Both major parties, particularly the Dems. Because right. um, they don't want a left-wing, they don't actually want a left flank. And this is something progressives and SOC Dems don't seem to freaking understand is they don't actually want a left flank they don't want this they say well maybe in one side of the mouth they'll say yes we want a full big 10 party right. and then the other like these fucking assholes you know they're getting in the way and we're, we're honest about being in the way um and being in opposition and uh, that's how we've had a part to play in banning fracking in new york one of the few states to do so right uh, so let's see. So that's my counter propaganda of that. So yeah. So that, there we go. That's awesome. Uh, so quickly, I guess, uh, foes and comrades. We've got uh, new agers for foes. Yeah, I, I have a particular pet peeve for new agers. Um, they and, my, and I'm talking from personal experience. People that they you know they seem they it's like they pretend to have left wing views or left liberal views but reactionary hippies but they're reactionary <laughs> hippies at the end of the day um this is to counter you know like to there is a type of hippie which is actually called the yippie and uh, you know the difference between a hippie and a yippie is i do not a yippie is a hippie <laughs> who has been beaten up by a cop okay <laughs> and um because they went to an anti-war demonstration and they got right because they, they actually got, they actually got beaten did up something because they were actually yeah. doing something dangerous or, or threatening um and they're the ones that popularized pieing politicians or, or people in power oh yeah, yeah. Pies. um uh da, 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 da. oh that's awesome so right yeah so so they're just they seem to be politically useless they will not join an organization they will not pay dues to anything they will always make excuses for why they can't like help um they uh, i mean it's also the fake fake deepness um, of like, right. Almost like Joe Rogan almost counts as a, a new ager because it's, <laughs> it's just conspiracy minded yeah. theory. Their, their, their ideology is conspiracy. And, and I think if you go through this whole, like the, the, the conspiracy theory iceberg that it's just completely anti-materialist, it's even anti-idealist almost, um, just right. connecting dots and smoking a lot of pot and kind of messing up your brain <laughs> because I see it's not a trend or anything, but I mean, there are these characters who 
They, in, in an effort to better understand the world and have connection with nature and, and the world or reality, they fuck up their brain with hallucinogenics. And they think it's healthy because it's not a man-made drug right. or made by the CIA. But they're still fucked up. And it frustrates me because it's like, what do you say to them? There's no, it's like they're not addicted, but at the same time, they kind of are addicted to being hallucinating. The idea and, of being hallucinating. And the yeah. fact that and, – and the attitude, if I may be you know, um, a little gripey here. The attitude that because I had a hallucinogenic experience – I now understand things in a way that you can't <laughs> with yeah. your book as learning. A person who, with your book as a learning who did a lot and of- science <laughs> and, ra- and, and skeptical thinking, <laughs> yeah, no. um, they're the true skeptics because they're skeptical of like – But again, reality, yeah, yeah, yeah. man. Yeah, right. <laughs> even reality itself. And, and, I, and, yeah. I, and, I, and I have a former roommate now who actually probably actually has brain damage because he was – he just did too much ayahuasca over time, like not just once, but he, he was been doing it for years right. in an effort to yeah. solve his emotional trauma or his issues. It is a very popular position right now to think that uh, mushrooms or psilocybin or however you fucking say it yes. is like uh, a cure all for various things as well as can improve your insight into the world and it's yeah i did a lot of mushrooms when i was younger and i'm was very i like i actually had to read i had to actually had to learn to learn like i couldn't learn from being on drugs <laughs> which is why i'm frustrated because it's like there's this like it's some kind of well to, to them it is an it is a alternative to an actual education um, yeah. And that the or or it's just the attitude of um or or the that they'll say things that are just so matter of fact and tr- almost <laughs> trivial knowledge and act like they said something very profound right and like but it'll really just be a platitude. <laughs> While I'm trying to figure out like material like what to do about problems, they're like yeah no the answer is actually to chill out. And and like think about it. Right <laughs> no, the answer is absolutely um, not. To and so it. and so they are. <laughs> they're quite quite useless in a political context, and so they're but they they might as well be foes, uh, because even when they are active and they want to be participate in whatever, they're the ones that will sabotage your meeting. They will their individualism, toxic individualism, will right. ruin the day, um, and be a thorn mm-hmm. in the side. And they, they you know it's a. The, There'll be an opportunist at worst, or just a, a do not like a, a flake. Okay. Um. No, I I can I can definitely understand that. I mean, uh, coming from a skeptical background, I'm incredibly uh, frustrated by just the pseudoscience that they pur- purport, yeah. right? Like, yeah, crystals and healing yeah, our, and this and that and the other thing, and it's all very frustrating. We grew up with Penn and Teller's bullshit and the new atheist stuff, which was yeah. <laughs> very much yeah. putting them on the same level as the hyper-religious, you know, in the say, like, between – if you could choose between one and the evangelicals, it's like they're they're both kind of equally insufferable. Um, yeah. And, and, but <laughs> yeah. one will pretend to or, like, act like they are environmentalists or – but they're, they'll be right. just as wasteful as as any bushy person, um, yeah. and it really is a result of bourgeois values, and, and they don't see it. 
Um, and then a lot of a lot of self harm in yeah. So it's but but you can't really prove it because it's like there's no evidence to gather because uh, right, they won't right. actually go to a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> right, because that's part of the big yeah. big industry. Right? Yeah, but so uh, for um, for comrades, I just put generally um, as I've been mentioning, do paying members of orgs. What we need more of are and I, and this is another bit for the greens is that i see party building as building a political union we need unions in our workplaces we need you you know co-ops and we need that collective action in in any aspect of our life at the workplace and also in the ballot box and for that we need a political union and a political union doesn't have to just act electorally it can act in all sorts of ways in ways as a conduit and facilitator of collective action in a way that BLM just or any other nonprofit organization, which I'll point you in the direction of any book about the nonprofit industrial complex. Just Google that phrase. Um, that there was an ecosystem of nonprofits because that because of a skepticism of formal political organizing because or even leadership. Why? Well, because once upon a time we had leaders and they were all assassinated. So yeah. let's not do that again. But. It was so effective in, in just keeping the left out. And and it hurts to, to, to still, you know, find that there's still this like home. There's some people reconsidering it like I have, but there's still still like a, well, let's keep our heads down or let's not. Leadership is as toxic. Or whatever. So we're over an hour. <laughs> yeah. But I just wanted to say we need to have people. And, and, and oh, yeah. And, and it's skepticism or rather a. Uh, a fear of paid organizers. You know, when, when you're on a payroll, you know, we, 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 we affiliate that with opportunists, people in the democratic party, careerists. Um, right. And then anarchists have a point about that, but unless it's someone's job or someone can pay materially, have their needs met and organize, it's a real job. There's real work involved with organizing. Otherwise you're just left with hobbyism. And that's something that has been part of our, like, you know, what's wrong with us? We're all just hobbyists. It's pathetic. Uh, we're doing this, like, uh, on our free time. It needs to yeah. be our job. Saving the world. Building party. Organizing unions. This, and in past revolutions, they did it full time. They had a rich backer, but they also had a lot of people um, paying money in. And it's how any organization, whether it be Planned Parenthood, AARP, they had due-paying members. And sometimes it's like your police athletic lead. They just ask for dues once a year. You know, give your $100 donation at the end uh, during Christmas right. time. We can do that too. And then we have been doing that. So in the past few cycles, the Greens have been like the IWW, like pay some dues, even if it's $5 a month. Um, yeah, whatever, they have sliding scale. like lower tiers. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you don't have to, there's no, we don't, broke. we're not gatekeeping. We don't want to gatekeep, but when you pay dues, you're a member, you can join a caucus, uh, cause you don't have to be part of a state party or whatever. Cause that can be a bunch of, you know, white, uh, middle-class people, but we have caucuses for disability, for trans, for black, for Latin, uh, Latinx. Um, we have a diverse set of caucuses, which have the same voting power in our convention as state parties do. Um, and, and they put out their own press releases and so on. Uh, though, um, yeah, so I won't go into that, but, and, uh, and we did kick out the turfs in the green party. I want to point that out, um, in the last two years. Um, and, and it was in, 
2020, well, 2016 was the shift where we put in the platform that we're a post-capitalist party, right? So, so that really pissed a lot of liberals off and, you know, who, are, yeah. who actually identify as capitalists. And, um, so, but we're basically saying we're a social, we're going to be a socialist party now. The trots in our party have won. Um, <laughs> but, uh, we're former trots, so I don't know. But, um, and, and, and the culmination of that was running a union guy, Howie Hawkins, for, for president. Uh, which, of course, made us pariahs, complete pariahs, even more so because Jill Stein was more of a uniter because she was a type of hippie person. Uh, but then she was vulnerable to being labeled as a reactionary, even though she wasn't. Um, right. Do you remember when she was called an anti-vaxxer by liberals and this was like uh, <laughs> yeah. the thing that destroyed her or whatever? But she got um, over a million votes, but it wasn't good enough. But. Uh, but yeah, we need full-time organizers and, and I, I pray, I, I hope, and I work for the, to the day that I will be able to actually, when I retire from the state in the next 10 years, cause I'm not going to work a full 30 years, um, to actually do this full time, you know, to do community it's, organizing. Yeah. Um, cause that's what, that's what, that's what succeeded in the past. And, and we've only had part-timers ever since. Yeah, for sure. Well. Where can people find you and more of your content? Well, um, the Three Lefts Show has a website, which is threelefts.news, preceded by the www. Um, I'm on Facebook, where I post every episode and some other posts, but very rarely. I'm not a social media file, um, but I do use it as a tool of propagating. I do have the Three Lefts on YouTube, where I posted about you know a video version of 20 episodes or so. I will be try- okay. trying to put more on there over time, but I work full time. And so I'm pretty limited in when I can, how many I'm putting up. Um, For sure. And, and other things in my personal life. Uh, and the radio station, of course, is a big project. So um, there's that. Uh, I am on Macedon. And I think if the whole left went there, then it would be a viable platform for left wing sharing and organizing because Facebook is just and, and Twitter are just not really good for sharing information among ourselves. Um, right. Not anymore. Even though it's where everyone is, what's the point if our posts aren't reaching anybody? Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, otherwise there's, I'm on, so my, my show is also just as a normal podcast is with RSS feeds. I'm on any other kind of normal podcast platform your google plus your spotify but um even though it doesn't have podcasts i would promote a alternative to spotify for music streaming called resonate which is a co-op okay and actually pays the musicians because when you listen to track you pay a dime and but if you listen to it nine times you own it because you basically paid a dollar right neat so otherwise, awesome. um, otherwise, the station that I help manage is called WCAALP uh, in Albany, New York. And that's basically found at grandarts.org. Okay. That's grand, G-R-A-N-D. Because it's on awesome. Grand Street. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on your platform. That's all, folks. Thanks for watching or listening. Remember to share this show with your friends or on the social media site that you use the most. 
Thank you to everyone who supports this show on Patreon. It's really appreciated and it helps me spend more time on this and my other projects. If you want to contribute, you can do that at patreon.com slash skeptical leftist, or you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash skeptical lefty. If you can't contribute financially, then a five-star rating or a re- and a review on the podcast app of your choice or on one of the podcast review sites like Podchaser or RateMyPodcast.com would be great. If you want to find more from me, make sure to check out the show notes or check out my link tree. That's linktr.ee slash skeptical court. You can find all my social media stuff there, as well as links to my other show, From Many People's Strength, which is a podcast about Saskatchewan politics, and a project I'm involved in with my friend Damien Marie at Hope that's called Atheist Humanist Leftist Revolutionaries. My Twitter is at Skeptical Lefty, and my Facebook page is The Mind of a Skeptical Leftist. You can email me at mindofaskepticalleftist at gmail.com. And if you want to be a guest on the show or know someone I should reach out to, then feel free to let me know. You can book interviews in my available time slots on my Calendly, which is also found in my link tree. Thanks so much for listening, and let's try to make sure we're applying critical thinking and reasoned skepticism when we're attacking the system. If we get caught up in bad thinking, we can derail ourselves. <laughs>